0: Welcome to the Eric
1: Erickson Show Podcast, Hour Three. Hello, America. It is Eric Erickson here, across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, I am very happy to have you. Um I I see people in my email, you know who you are, defending the Beatles. I I'm look I'm I'm sorry, I just yeah, I get their music. You can say, without them, we wouldn't have gotten all these others. Um, I'm not sure that that's true, but you you, you, boomers love your Beatles. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I know I should put it that way, but, I mean, people, my, my, my wife loves her ZZ Top at ACDC, and I'm just, I'm, I'm not a, I i am mean, I like some of their songs, but, yeah. All right. We, we got to move on, though. I want to spend a few moments on George Santos. In a perfect world, George Santos would be driven from Congress. The man is a serial liar. And frankly, to me, he just gives off like the serial killer vibe. I, I think the lies are a distraction from his basement or some such. I mean, it just, he, he creeps me out. Um, I, there's just this Andrew Koonan or whoever the, the Versace guy was. Uh, just, I, I don't know. Um, in a perfect world, George Soros, George, Sor- George Santos would resign from Congress, I don't think he should. I mean, I do and I don't. Like, yeah, uh, the principled me says resign, but I kind of think he's what America deserves and so he shouldn't. Well, let me just try to work this out with you because I've been thinking about this for a while. So, you know, Elizabeth Warren lied about her uh, Indian heritage. She She rode that horse as far as she could Until it was exposed that she she wasn't really, and she actually tried to defend herself with the DNA. I mean, Trump baited that woman perfectly; she fell for it. And the media, uh, their very first reaction was, "You see, you see, she's telling the truth." They're like, "Wait a second, she didn't resign." She, she didn't do anything. She she tried to double down and defend her lie. She rode that horse as far as she could. She used her supposed Native American heritage to give herself advance in career, and she was given a total pass by people on the left. Then there's Richard Blumenthal. He claims he served in Vietnam. He never served in Vietnam and Connecticut voters sent him to the United States Senate. Uh, Why on earth should George Santos have to resign if Richard Blumenthal didn't have to resign? They elected him after exposure of his lies. Then, of course, there is the sitting president of the United States who is addicted to lying. According to Joe Biden, He grew up in a Puerto Rican household, went to a historically black college, was nearly drafted as a walk-on to the NFL, his house burned down around him, and all sorts of other lies plus corn pop. Joe Biden is a serial fabulist. It's so bad that even the New York Times has written stories about how much Joe Biden lies. He's a serial plagiarist, he's a serial liar, and he is the president of the United States. And you think George uh, Santos should resign for his lies? There is an incredible double standard. It is absolutely uh, bizarre that the people who are willing to attack George Santos are willing to cover for Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren and Richard Blumenthal and the rest of them on the left. And yes, you can see it absolutely is partisan. To their credit, a number of Republicans have come out and says it doesn't matter about them, he should resign. And yeah, I am absolutely sympathetic to it. Uh, George Santos has no business being in Congress. What actually happened is George Santos was a A candidate, a repeat candidate, a previously unsuccessful candidate who was running in a district he had no business running for and was not going to win. And no one gave him the time of day until the New York uh, Court of Appeals threw out the redistricting in New York, drafted new districts, and suddenly he found himself in a Republican-leaning district with very little competition. And he won by having the R next to his name. One little newspaper decided to cover him and expose his lies and no one else did leland vitter had me on his program on news nation the other day and he was actually interviewing the editor of the newspaper and leland says is it just just dissuade me that my conspiracies are through that they just decided to save up the attacks on him uh once he got into congress and the editor's like that's not really what happened he was not expected to win his district was redrawn in a way where he did become the guy And no one paid attention to him. No one cared. There were so many other big stories to pay attention to. And no one presumed he was going to win. And he did. He's the accidental candidate who won. And, yeah, a man like that shouldn't be in Congress. He has lied about everything. He lied about his jobs. He lied about marriage. He, he may have lied about he was gay or straight or what have you. He lied about scholarships. He lied about, uh, I mean, basically every detail of his life is imaginary. He is a serial fabulist. But he's kind of the congressman we all deserve in the 21st century. He's a serial liar in an age where serial liars on the left get put on pedestals. He just has to be on the right. If if George Santos were a Democrat, the Democrats would be defending him to the hilt. And you all know it. You cannot intellectually look at the lives of Joe Biden and Richard Blumenthal and Elizabeth Warren and other Democrats and think the Democrats wouldn't circle the wagons around this guy and keep him there, even for one term before they challenged him. They would be protecting him. But because he's a Republican and Kevin McCarthy has such a narrow victory, the media and the Democrats can make it all about George Santos and Republican double standards and Republican hypocrisy. He's a convenient cudgel to use against the Republicans and if he had a D next to his name and got elected, every single one of the people attacking him would be defending him. And if you do not believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you in Manhattan that George Santos built. This is the age we live in. I still believe character counts and he has none. It was my reservation about Donald Trump that I think over time has proven true. He didn't have great character. But people really aren't interested in great character anymore in this country. They're interested in being entertained, and George Santos is entertaining. He makes up these lies. He's a little goofball. He, he, He gives off some weird vibes. He's a perfect fit for this United States Congress. It's a clown show, and he gets to be a clown in it we should do better as a country. And this is ultimately on the voters. I mean, for all the people saying that uh, George Santos needs to resign and and it's beneath the institution to have him like, are you not paying attention to this institution? Are you not paying attention to the institution of the United States House of Representatives? There are a lot of people in that institution who are beneath the institution if you take your standards as public, but ultimately it comes down to the voters. We are in the situation we are in because of the voters. The voters voted for Donald Trump, and then many of them flipped and voted for Joe Biden. I personally think it would be fantastic if we decided as a people to stop putting people in charge who carry classified documents off to their garage. The voters of Michigan rejected Peter Meyer. He definitely more moderate, way more moderate than I am on a host of things, but he was a perfect fit for his district. He sneaked into Afghanistan and exposed what a cluster the evacuation of Afghanistan was at the end. He had a military record, but, but Peter Meyer took his oath a little too seriously and voted to impeach Donald Trump and Republican voters threw him out of office because he voted to impeach Donald Trump for the stuff after January 6th. And the result is that the Republicans lost that seat to a moderate Democrat. Democrats have done things like this as well to themselves, rejecting people. Like look at um, in the Connecticut situation with Joe Lieberman, they or whatever it was that they rejected Joe Lieberman. They put up a write-in candidate, and Joe Lieberman beat him. Look at their defiance with um, Kristen Cinema and Joe Manchin that they're upset about. They still got people who are largely aligned with them, but they don't like them because they don't give them everything they want. The American people, I think, have given up on Washington, D.C. And it's not a bad thing that you've given up on Washington, D.C. If you're focused on your home and your local community and improving it, eventually Washington gets improved again. But a lot of people have just given up entirely. And now they just want to be entertained. So say what you will about a guy like George Santos, He's entertaining. He is the congressman we all deserve. He has no business being there, and that fact alone means that he should be there because this is the age we live in, and the voters give us, ultimately, the congress we deserve. Now, let me see if I can squeeze in a phone call here. 877-973-7425. Dave, I want to go to you next. Welcome to the program. Thanks for being patient.
2: Hello? Hello? Hi there. Uh, this is Dave. Uh, yes, sir. Can you hear me okay, I couldn't hear you. I can hear you. Yep, you're, you're a little bit
1: garbled, but let's go for it. Let's have this conversation.
2: I need you to clarify for me some things I don't understand about the southern border debacle. Supposedly, these tens of thousands of people are walking. It's just the the length of Mexico, which is like walking from Houston to St. Louis or New York to Chicago. If you're hoping that you can do 25 to 30 25 to 30 miles a day, that's a five six week trek. Now I know they're not packing the peanut butter sandwich and hitting the road. They're sleeping somewhere. They're eating somewhere. Supposedly the coyotes, if you listen to the news. Are are charging them thousands of dollars apiece to get them across the border. Heck, for that, they can buy a ticket. But that aside, somehow they're getting from the south end of Mexico to the Texas border, and they don't have supposedly two nickels to rub together, nor the proverbial part to fiddle in. How in the world are they surviving five or six weeks on the road with nothing? Somebody's paying for this. Go back to the Watergate days. Follow the money. Who's funding all
1: of this? Oh, there's a there's a ton. Um, it, this is such a good question, Dave. I'm I'm glad you talked about this. You know, uh, one of the reasons that uh, I got uh, I, I believe, other than endorsing Trump. Uh, that I was uh, politely never asked back to meet the press after doing it twice a month for, for a good long while, was I raised the question Dave is raising. Someone clearly is coordinating some of this stuff. It, it can't be a coincidence. And and the left pitched a massive fit uh, that on a, at a time I was on television saying Republicans need to honor the truth, that clearly I was a conspiracy theorist, and they've made a bunch of outrage. And by the way, don't you know he's supporting Donald Trump and never got invited back. But there's clearly something here. A lot of these people are encouraged to come. What happens, though, is there are refugee groups, the Red Cross, the United Nations and others, that as these people come up, and a lot of them do, a lot of them walk, they legitimately do, and it takes them months. And they and their families, there was a profile of one couple, they were were from, there were refugees from Venezuela, they moved to Colombia, the Colombians really didn't want them, and they had two shopping carts And they put their possessions and their kids in the shopping carts, and they walked. And they went from refugee camp to refugee camp further north and further north and further north till they got towards the United States. Um, Some of these people fly into Mexico City and, and hitch a ride north. Some of them walk. It depends on individual experience. Some of them pay the coyotes. A lot of these people really are real refugees who are trying to flee terrible circumstances. And they heard Joe Biden say, and the coyotes have advertised, Joe Biden said, come on over, Trump's not here. And so they pay these coyotes, these cartel members, to get them across the Rio Grande. And, And they're paying people. They've saved their life savings to come to this country. I really feel bad for a lot of these people. I don't think they should come, but I feel bad for them. I can have empathy for them even as I disagree with them. But you do also have to understand that there are organized refugee efforts in Mexico and the Mexican government could shut those down to disincentivize them coming and the Mexican government has refused to do so, claiming they would have to take care of these people. No, you just stop covering their costs, they go home. Nobody wants to deal with that aspect of it, nobody does. Um, this This is a real problem. And it is a it's it's something that we should look into from the United Nations to various refugee groups helping these people. I am deeply empathetic to someone who believes they have to walk the entirety of Mexico through the jungles and the gangs. They got to come up through Central America and, and and deal with all of that to get here. Got to walk up the the Pan American Highway. It, it's not an easy journey. I'm deeply sympathetic and empathetic to these people. But I think we should be discouraging them, and we shouldn't be welcoming, and eventually word gets back. I I hate it for these people, but there's a law, and there's a path, and there's a process, and they're thinking they can violate it based on our sympathies, and they shouldn't be able to get away with that. And this government is absolutely failing them by not telling them the truth. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The employee retention credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee, and now more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at refundspro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible, and there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund, there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or even reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses, so don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free five-minute questionnaire at Refunds with an S, RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. Hello there. Yes, the, the New York Times is running a story. Your gas stove may be killing you. How much should you worry my, I thought they weren't gonna do. I thought they said they weren't, and, and they just—it is just amazing to me how the switch flips on both sides. By the way, both sides do this. The leader of your party says something wackadoo or decides to push an agenda, and y'all fall in line. And everybody decided they're all individually thinking about it. I, they're not. It's just—it's this is just a bizarre phenomenon in the 21st century. Eight seven seven nine seven three. 7425. Bruce, you're gonna be up next. Welcome.
0: Hey, how you doing? Long time caller, short time listener. How you doing today? <laughs> Great. Uh question I got is I know a few station gas stations around me that the day before the fuel tax came back in Georgia, I know they had their tanks full. But yet, as soon as the tax hit, they raised their gas prices showing the tax. How can they sell? Gas it's
1: not taxed. Uh, how can they sell gas that's not taxed? They so they had the federal tax was already on it, and yeah. the governor in Georgia waived the state gas tax. Correct. So they did not have to pay uh, or charge the gas tax on at the state level for that gas. The moment the expiration hit, they had to raise the rates.
0: Yeah, but they were shouldn't they have waited until their tank? Tanks got filled with taxed gas? No, uh, because
1: it, it's tax at the pump. It's it's not tax on them by the tank that's filled, it's it's tax on the consumer at the pump. Uh they're not paying the tax, it's the consumers paying the tax. Uh this is okay. this is the driving tax on the drivers, not a tax on them. Uh so yeah, they 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 gotta raise that, they gotta put that tax back because they're just tax collectors for the government they're not paying the tax you pay the tax it's the uh, on the on the gas that goes in your car and they just collect it and send it off to the government they're not actually the ones paying it hello there welcome it is eric Erickson here free for all today 877-973-7425 i gotta talk about big pharma contributing to climate change all the other bad things big pharma does i mean lisa marie presley died and and, uh, people immediately rushed Twitter up, must have been the vaccine. Whether or not she got it relevant, uh, that's obvious conclusion given the way people think these days. Uh, I mean, she could have had information on the arrest of Hillary Clinton and people don't even want to even consider that anymore. But before I go there, I want to talk to Danny. Danny, welcome to the program. How are you?
0: Well, hey, how are you? First time calling. Well, welcome. Awesome, awesome, so it's kind of a two point part' in this question I don't know. So we've been told ever since the documents come out with Trump that presidents do take some stuff out of the White House, and it's okay. but is it okay for a vice president? Have we ever had a vice president take classified stuff home and been caught before? Not that we know of this this is this is okay. new ground. And the other thing is, do you think? with with them hiding this information since November 2nd, right before probably the most important primary of my life, my 38 years, them hiding that information from us and just coming out the night of the national championship, imagine that, you know, that way they was hoping it wouldn't break, I think, as as far as it has. Um, Will there be any accountability held for whoever made that decision? I don't know if it's DOJ, FBI, I mean, that's my question, and I can't believe there's not more uproar about the fact that they let that happen
1: yeah i I don't know um I'm there's got to be some level of accountability uh there, there clearly does have to be a level of accountability but I don't know um I, I just it
0: was deadly held from us it was deadly held from yeah. us and it was definitely held on purpose
1: well exactly and that I think is, is the special prosecutor the special counsel i think is someone who's got a Weigh in on this, uh, get involved on this, and, and figure out what happened because there is there's a lot of unanswered questions on this, and it's very clear. I mean, e- e- even the media is recognizing that. Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, it, it would. This had to be uh, a cover up. It's got to be that the White House didn't want us to know before the election, and I, I don't think yeah. there's no getting around that. It, Democrats are behind the scenes a lot, kind of furious
0: about this setup. Yeah, I, agree. And yeah, I've I mean, even seen, I've even seen CNN act like they was upset about it. And that's right. that's kind of weird. So hopefully somebody gotta, will be you, held accountable.
1: I hope so, and not just some underling. Look, I, I appreciate it very much. Uh, not just some underling. they, they got to have a real person uh, who really does get involved and tries to figure this thing out. Um, I hope so, at least. I hope um because it very clearly, very clearly uh something has happened here and we gotta we, we gotta figure out what's going on now I I gotta talk about big Pharma in large part because we often at, at times on the right these days and and I'm kind of well, People on the left for a very long time have attacked Big Pharma, and they've made all sorts of wild claims about Big Pharma, pharmaceutical companies, the big ones, uh, the um, what, the Pfizer and the Modernas, and Moderna hadn't really been big until recently, but the Mercks, the Eli Lillys, and the like, they get a bad rap, and and they do things that aren't right. I do think there are questions about the COVID vaccine, but I'm not in the camp that everybody's falling over dead of heart attacks because of the COVID vaccine. But there are things they do that are questionable. I, however, really, I'm not a big fan of the, the pejorative big pharma. Um, I, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of of the idea that everything they do is because well they're just trying to get us sick and trying to get us addicted. Yeah, look, I, it is not big pharma by the way that pushed the idea that we should give obese kids drugs and surgeries. That was the the, the pediatric associations. That's them wanting to do it trying to to treat obesity as something cured with drugs and surgeries as opposed to uh, exercise and diet. It wasn't Big Pharma that started that, it was the, the pediatrician societies. But Big Pharma is now contributing to climate change. They are contributing to climate change by keeping more people alive, particularly cancer patients. The death rates from cancer in the United States have fallen by 32% over three decades. The decline is thanks to prevention, screening, early diagnosis and treatment, including of lung and breast cancer. The drop has meant 3.5 million fewer deaths. Cancer is still the second leading cause of death in the U.S. after heart disease. And that's the other thing people who immediately jump to the COVID vaccine forget is that heart disease, even before COVID, was the number one killer in this country. Lots of people have dropped dead of heart attacks. In 1991, the cancer rate was 215 per 100,000 people. In 2019, it dropped to 146 per 100,000 people. Lung cancer, which there are 230,000 more cases each year, kills the most, 350 per day, that one hits close to home. But people are being diagnosed sooner, technological advancements have increased the survival rate, breast cancer rates have actually increased by five tenths of a percent per year since the mid-2000s, because more women have obesity, having fewer children, or they're having their first baby after 30, uh, which causes uh, changes in estrogen and hormones and fat tissue linked to cancer. Though having fewer kids or having them later has been leaked to increased breast cancer, it's not understood, but the survivability has gone up, even though more women are getting diagnosed with it. The cancer death rates in children and adolescents has seen massive declines. Since 1970, cancer rates in children have declined by 71%, and by 61% in the 15 to 19 year old demographic. Cancer is the second most common cause of death after accidents for children 1 to 14 years of age. Some cancer progress in children has lagged behind adult research due to lower enrollments in clinical trials. This is is from the BBC. Bring this up for a variety of reasons. Obviously, one hits close to home. Really... Would have loved for my wife to go with me last night to the governor's gala. She's never actually spent time with Brian and Marty Kemp and has wanted to. And I was excited. She got her dress. She's been working out. She's lost weight. She got to show show it all off in her ball gown last night and couldn't go. She got sick. Cancer sucks. And lung cancer in particular is a hard one. Yesterday was Rush Limbaugh's birthday. think he'd have been 74 years old, and he's not with us because lung cancer tends to be one of the ones you don't find out about it until it's too late. But for all the bad rap Big Pharma gets, Big Pharma has been making real progress in beating back cancer. My wife takes a pill. She takes it every day. A lot of people think when I talk about my wife's chemotherapy that, oh, she's going in for the injections and the IVs. Nope, she takes a pill every day. It serves as chemo. It gives her very weird uh, reactions, uh, rashes, uh, outbreaks. Uh, she had sores in her mouth and her nose on occasion. There are weeks where she's very tired. There are weeks where she can't sleep. It messes with her stomach and her digestion, keeps her alive, and it keeps the cancer from growing. It's worth it. And there are people, I have had people, and I know they mean well. They really mean well and I gotta tell myself they mean well. And They're like, well, you know, I mean, big pharma could come up with a cure for your wife's cancer. They just choose not to. They would rather her take the pill every day. The pill is $20,000 a month, and thank God for insurance. The reality is my wife's cancer is genetic. Early on, we thought, well, if it's just in her lungs, why not a lung transplant? problem is, as the new cells in her lungs reproduced over time, bringing in more and more of her DNA, she'd still get it. This pill keeps the tumors from growing, it can't eradicate it. Uh, And maybe, maybe at some point, there will be ways to alter my wife's genes to get rid of this mutation she has, but it doesn't exist yet. It's not a matter of big pharma not wanting to do it. And it's just, it's remarkable to me the number of people who try to boil so many complex things down to a very simple conspiracy and then sometimes take very simple things and try to complicate it with a conspiracy. I think it's a natural habit of people, but more so in the 21st century because information moves so fast. It's hard to keep up with all of it. It's hard to process it all. It's hard to comprehend it all and synthesize it all. And one of the big things that people have done now is they, they have processed this conspiracy theory about big pharma is absolutely fundamentally out to get all of us. They're trying to get us sick and to keep us sick to never cure us, but always dangle a cure is ahead of us. And I don't believe that's true from my own personal experience, but also from my knowledge of the industry, they would prefer to cure these diseases and make a lot of money off the cures. They want the awards, they want the money, they want the grants, they want to be able to move on to the next thing and they can't but they've made remarkable progress, so much progress that there are now three and a half million more people alive today than there should be because pharmaceutical companies found treatments and found new ways to be able to look for at early stages and detect cancers. And I just, I think you look at an industry like this, Sure, there are problems, and yes, sometimes they they put profit motive. Look at the guy who jacked up the cost of insulin just because he could. There are nefarious players. But is the overall industry out to scam us all? No. It's it's become a very simple thing for people with their own agendas to say. It's become a very simple thing, and there are some very simple-minded people who get led by other people, and they get presented a plausible case, and they say, oh, yes, this is actually what must be happening because, of course, they don't want you to be cured and yet they're curing people. There's a lot of unknowns out there. There are diseases that we don't even know about yet that will soon be on the horizon. And we have pharmaceutical companies that that will look and research and fund and develop cures. The COVID vaccine, it's a flawed vaccine. In fact, to some degree it undermines what it means to be a vaccine. Because a lot of people are still getting sick. They're, they're, you know, you get the, the MMR, you're not going to get measles, mumps, and rubella. You get the COVID vaccine, you could still get COVID. I think they got to change a name. In fact, I read yesterday, I think Thomas Massey, the congressman, put out that they've now stopped calling it a vaccine. It's a therapeutic or some such, which is a better term. You certainly, in my wife's case, got COVID after getting the vaccine, but had a very, very minimal case of it. There are flaws there, and we shouldn't dispute the flaws. We shouldn't amplify them more than they should. And some people don't want to talk about them because they're afraid it will feed the conspiracy theories, and some of the conspiracy theories overemphasize them. There are problems with the COVID vaccines. But the Western medical companies and pharmaceutical companies came up with a far better treatment than what the communists in China came up with. Our COVID vaccines or shots or therapeutics, whatever you want to call them, work far better than what the communist Chinese came up with. And the Moderna vaccine uh, really has shown that even if you get it, uh, most people have minimal minimal results. And now the virus is mutating to become more like the common cold. It's all good. Are there problems? Yes. Are there people who've gotten uh, cardiac problems? Yes. But more of them from the virus than from the drug? Yes. We should be truthful in how we talk about it. We should be comprehensive in how we talk about it. But we should not treat an industry that has done a lot of good as the villain here. The data is kind of remarkable. In fact, I I venture to say within the next few years, we're going to start having some people on the left who are really into population control grumbling by just how good pharmaceutical companies have been at fighting some of these things and saving people's lives. I I really do think we're going to rapidly get to the point where the left is going to be on the warpath against pharmaceutical companies for extending the lives of Americans and contributing to population bombs. And that gets me to this from Paul Ehrlich. You know, Paul Ehrlich, the New York, the Washington Post has been writing about him after he featured on uh, 60 Minutes the other day. He wrote his population bomb, and he famously declared that unless countries engage in population control, hundreds of millions of people would starve to death and there would be a race to oblivion. In fact, he inspired the Chinese abortion clinics and the sterilizations in India and others, this entire fear scenario that Paul Ehrlich, champion, that he's back now to champion, that we're going to be a resource-starved world. One of the most tragic things I've ever read is from a letter in the Wall Street Journal, it appears today, from Kenneth MD. Listen to this. I was a college student when I read Mr. Ehrlich's The Population Bomb. I took it to heart and now have no grandchildren. But 50 years later, the population has increased to 8 billion without dire consequences. I was gullible and stupid. That goes for a lot of people on both sides of the big pharmaceutical debate. 3.5 million more people are alive today because of the great progress science and medicine have had. And while we have things we can critique this industry for, we should not condemn an industry in the West that has served so many of us so well for so long and just keeps getting better. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425, should you wish to be a part of the program, except it is kind of too late, isn't it? Uh, Kind of. All right, we got to move on to other stuff. Pete Ricketts, get familiar with him. If you haven't heard of the name, Pete Ricketts, he's going to be the U.S. Senator from Nebraska. Governor Jim Pillen of Nebraska has appointed him to the Senate. Uh, I know uh, his family, uh, his dad's a great guy. I know his brothers uh, don't really know him well. He's replacing uh, Ben Sass, but he has no intention of being a placeholder. He's going to run. There is some concern that um, this may be too, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back for Nebraska voters because Ricketts, Champion Jim Pillen uh, against a Trump-endorsed candidate, got Pillen elected Nebraska governor, and then when Sass stepped aside, Pillen then puts uh, Ricketts in. But Ricketts has been a really steady governor in Nebraska. In fact, uh, a lot of the, the national press corps kind of ignored everything he was doing in COVID, but the reality was that... um That... Uh, Nebraska really didn't shut down like a lot of the rest of the nation, never really went with masks, uh, kind of played it a little more loose than a lot of others would, and he got good results. He was never expected to be uh, the governor, or he was never expected to even be the senator. He He ran once, he lost, spent a lot of money, then he ran again, and he won, and he won big. He's a fascinating political figure that will now be headed to the U.S. Senate. His uh, family owns the Cubs. They've been very kind to me over the years in, in allowing me some great seats at the Cubs. Uh, I've known the family for a while. Uh, they're good people. And he's a stalwart conservative, probably, I would say, the most conservative member of the family. He's got a couple of moderate, he's got a, a number of brothers and sisters that they kind of all over the political spectrum. He and his dad are the, the conservatives. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see how he does in the US Senate. He was also a very good governor in Nebraska, one reelection there. Won twice and now headed to the Senate. The odds are he'll win re-election there. But also, I'll kind of miss Ben Sass at the Senate. He didn't have a giant track record of doing stuff, which a lot of conservatives lamented. But I just always liked the guy. And now he'll be the University of Florida president. It's going to be interesting to watch him battle the wokes. He is very anti-woke, um, deep Christian guy. So Nebraska politics has been kind of fascinating for me this past year. Now I'm going to go enjoy the weekend, and I hope you do too.